Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to another episode of Helmets Off. I'm Scott Mitchell, the host, and we got a fun show today. Uh, Morgan Scally, who is the uh, defensive coordinator for the University of Utah, was recently reinstated from his position. He'd been put on a temporary uh, leave pending an investigation as to some racial allegations uh, of statements that he made back in 2013. And he was reinstated. And of course, this is a very uh, sensitive issue in our country today, a hot topic going on. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions and views on it. And Morgan Scally was, was reinstated. And, and so I'm going to share some of my thoughts about uh, should that, should that not have happened? What, what was kind of the, the deal behind all of it and maybe moving forward. And then of course, some quarterback news in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes signs a, mammoth deal i mean it's so insane to say a half a billion dollars amazing that's incredible to to make that statement and then there's a proven veteran quarterback cam newton who now is uh tom brady's uh replacement or apparently he is and he's going to he signed for a million dollars a year uh and it's just i think i find that uh rather rather ironic that that, that situation has uh, come up. And then uh, finally, um, well, I don't know what finally is, but we'll get to it. <laughs> I'll make it up as I go along. All right. Um, Morgan Scally. So Morgan is, is a, a really, really good coach. He's an up and coming coach in a power five conference. You look at these coaches where he was set to make $1.1 million a year. He's worked hard to get to that position to be recognized and to be paid accordingly. And, uh, and, and he's been a, a significant fixture in what has been recognized consistently in the Kyle Whittingham area in the Pac-12 and before that, that Utah always plays really good defense. And so you have this ultra competitive coach who's really really a good guy i mean he is a nice person he he makes a comment and I'll, and and i don't believe he's a racist i don't believe his comment was meant to be racist i don't think he realized that his comment left a lot of people uncomfortable and quite frankly it left me uncomfortable uh only from the standpoint of he should have known better. You just, you, you should have known better. So, so why is Morgan Scally not a racist? And I don't believe he's a racist. I believe he's, uh, he's trying to fit in. Morgan was a defensive back in college. Very good one. He was, you know, he's on some really successful teams at Utah. And, and predominantly his position as a position coach, he's predominantly coaching black athletes. 
So you're, you're this young new coach and you, you have these athletes that you recruited and, and you're recruiting and they have a language that they talk. We all do. We all have our cultural language that we speak with one another. I can hear, even as I talk on this podcast, I can hear my Utah roots. I can hear the accent of someone who is from Utah. And it's a real thing, and it's there. So, I, so we all have this, this, this speak, this way that we talk. And Morgan Scally goes, well, I, I want to I relate. I want to speak the language. I want to talk in a tone that um, will make me cool, will make me fit in, a, a way where I can actually, um, you know, get the attention of these young people. Because I've coached kids of similar age, and I'm telling you, it is the scariest thing in the world to have to do because <clears throat> they're really quick to identify you as an imposter, a poser, or the real deal. And they will immediately tune in or tune out based upon what they've picked up from you. Are you an authentic person? Are you real? Do you really care? Does it matter? And um, a person who's a poser they they tune out immediately. I had coaches when all throughout my life. We've all had coaches. We've had people we work with. We've had you know our boss. We've had friends. We've had all kinds of people. And you know when people are full of baloney, and and they aren't. You know when uh, it's the genuine article and and the real deal. And so I I surmise that Morgan Scally was trying to just fit in, was trying to be, hey, I, I got the cool coach. Right. He talks my my language. He understands me. He, you know, he gets me kind of thing. And I think there's a little bit of uh, it, I think it was I think it was intended to say, hey, I can use this word because there's this level of acceptance and trust. And we're in the locker room and we're we're here together. So I don't I don't ever think that Morgan Scally was trying to be a racist. I just think he was trying to fit in. And you just know, in my time in the NFL, you knew and you know there are certain words you just never, ever say. And you got to read the room. And you just have to, you have to recognize that it's just, you, you cannot um, say certain things. And, and, and especially in a world today that's, that's hypersensitive. Now, we, we had a code that was kind of, was unwritten and the code was, you know, nothing is off limits. So nothing as far as race, religion, um, you know, your physical appearance. I mean, you got, you got harassed and teased. Harassed is a strong word. It, it was, it was, you know, people would call it harassment today, but back in the day it was just, it was just good old fun. And and so you were you you didn't take offense to or you you were used to kind of guys making fun of you and you making fun of of them and that was something that was in the locker room and it never left never never ever got out of the locker room so so it, when people out in public hear, hear certain things uh then it's then it's uh it's shocking where in the environment that you're in in the locker room, it isn't. 
However, even teasing people and kind of give, you know, giving them a hard time, there's still boundaries. There's still certain things you do not say. You just don't say them. Uh, so uh, that was certainly a word that wasn't said. To, to Morgan's defense, he also had heard the word said from another coach who is also black. And that's where it gets hard, where you hear the word and you say, well, you're saying it and you're black. And so maybe it's okay that I say it. And that seems hypocritical uh, that, that it's okay, but it's just, it's just how it is. It's just not okay in the world, in the world you live in. You're, uh, you're just, you're going to get dinged for it. And, and you, and you should. So Morgan Scally is not a racist. He's just a guy who really uh, is trying to, to fit in and to re be relatable to these people. And where I think he can really be relatable is, and I think we can all do this, is, is Morgan Scally and, and his apology was sincere and it was, it was heartfelt. Moving forward, I think the best thing Morgan Scally could do was figure out how I can be this true servant leader. And, and when you lead people, you're the one who rolls up your sleeves and you're the one who genuinely gets to know the people you're around. You genuinely care for them. You genuinely do things to better their lives, to let them know that they care, but you don't do it in the spotlight. You do it when nobody else is watching. And, and I've talked about this before and, and someone who was really good at this was Lavelle Edwards. He knew people and he knew their lives and he understood. Ron McBride was the same way. He was great at, he just truly cared for people. I went to a funeral of a young man from Springville, Utah, who was a running back for Coach McBride, and he shows up at his funeral. Uh, I had a player die when I was a coach, and Ron McBride showed up uh, to, to the view, and, and he didn't know, the, he didn't know anyone, but he showed up. And he showed up because, because it's what you do if you really care about people and you want to be that genuine, authentic person that impacts people's lives. And I believe that's kind of how Morgan Scally views himself. And, and people are going to say, well, you know, he should have been fired. He should have been let go. And, and I like the approach that they, you know, they took. They said, We're, th this is kind of a... Let's see how you move forward. Because Morgan Scally lost a lot in this. He lost a lot. Uh, let me, and let me point out how much he lost. And, you know, it's significant. So he was set to make $1.1 million this year. And now he's going to make somewhere in the neighborhood of $500,000. So in one year, he loses a half a million, over half a million dollars for, for making a comment. On top of that, he was the coach in waiting. And he had a handshake deal with the athletic director. So when Kyle Whittingham steps down, the heir apparent for, for the Utah football team is Morgan Scally. Okay, so Kyle Whittingham makes $4 million a year. At the very least, because Morgan Scally is the first-time head coach, Morgan Scally is probably going to be somewhere in the 2 and a half to $3 million range if he was to be named the head coach at Utah. 
that's no longer on the table. So essentially, that's that's a that's several million dollars, and not only it's it's a year, probably signs a three or four year contract. So it's probably in the neighborhood of of around ten million dollars, that was that was um, established. They had they had an agreement which was rescinded because of this action, and and his contract is now this year. There's no next year. There's no anything. It's like, let's see if you are moving in a direction that's acceptable. And people go, oh yeah, but you know, he still makes a lot of money and you know, it's only money. But when, you're, when you have a, a responsibility to provide for your family and you work so hard to do it, the coaching world is not a pleasant one to get into. Long hours, no pay, lots of criticism, lots of scrutiny from the public, tough deal. Okay. And it's not easy because you still have to win and you, and you have to rely on 18, 19, 20 year old kids to follow the program, you know, and you've got a hundred of them and you're trying to get all of them to go, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, you know, buy into, or we're going to, no guys get in trouble. They're growing up. They're going through a lot of maturing in their lives, just as these coaches. And so it's a, it's a tough road to get to the position of where Morgan Scally is. Not an easy thing to do. And now you're right, you're right on the cusp of it. I mean, you're, you're gonna be the next, you're gonna have a head coaching job at a power five conference in, in one, of, you know, one of the top you know, jobs in the country. And, and, you, uh, you know, you, and you work hard to get to that. And now that's in serious jeopardy. So I don't believe the university took this lightly. I like the way they went about it. They, they totally went through an independent um, group. So some eyes without any, you know, any, any malice or any, any prejudgment or bias uh, looked at this and said, Here, here's a fair thing. So, so Morgan Scally by no stretch of the imagination got off easy. And if he'll go and truly and and truly become this servant leader, uh, he can have he can turn this into a, an extremely powerful thing that I think actually helps him as a coach as he moves forward. It helps him in recruiting. It helps him to be a better person, and he, it helps him to be part of the solution to some of the challenges we have as a society today. Anyways, we're gonna take a break. We come back. Um, Cam Newton and, of course, Patrick Mahomes, both of them got paid. Well, one of them got – it's just insane. Anyways, uh, some, some kind of fun insights and unique insights about the impact of what this means for football and even baseball. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. 
What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Okay, hey, welcome back to Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell here. Um, just talked about Morgan Scally and kind of that whole situation. And, you know, and that's just, you know, my take on, on how it is. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it can end up being a good thing for everyone involved in the future. Anyways, we move on to Patrick Mahomes and, of course, Cam Newton. And let's start with Cam Newton. Cam Newton was like the number one overall pick in the draft. He's been a league MVP. He's been a, an all-star. He's, he's led his team, uh, like, I think, the first six years to conference, or at least his division, um, you know, title. Uh, he, he, he's brought a team to the Super Bowl. He's an extremely talented player. And you look at him and you go, you know, it, I mean, he, it, Cam Newton could be one of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL and doesn't have a job, and was actually um, let go by the Carolina Panthers. And then he was out in the free agent market, and there was no interest. I mean, he's the last guy standing. He's, he's like the musical chairs, you know, when you walk around, and then the music stops, and everyone finds a seat. He's the last guy. He, and, and you go, how can this guy who who's, has so much talent and not only does he have talent, but he's been productive. You know, that's the other thing. It's like, wait a minute. This guy is not just a – this is, you know, we're, we're taking a shot here, a gamble on something that might pan out. This guy, this guy's proven consistently that he's a, he's a very good player in the NFL. And he finally signs with the New England Patriots. And, and, he, and he signs for a million dollars a year. Now, it's incentive-laden, so if he becomes a quarterback, they win. They do all these – the starting quarterback, they win. He gets a whole lot more money, and that's great, and that's the way it should be. It's just shocking to me that here's, here's this proven talent that can only garner a million dollars a year, but here's why it's not shocking. And, and I think this is, this is a cautionary tale. And quite frankly, I think Patrick Mahomes – is a really good example as to why this is why, and maybe he could learn something from Patrick Mahomes and others as to why Cam Newton is only getting paid a million dollars. And he's only getting paid a million dollars because Cam Newton, in my, in my opinion, is a dual threat quarterback. And I know it's all the rage. I know they're, you know, guys like Lamar Jackson and, and Deshaun Watson and some of these guys that are, you know, are as good on their feet as they are throwing. And that's how Cam Newton was. Cam Newton uh, predated all these guys. And Cam Newton would run, and he was tough, and he'd score a touchdown, and the Superman cape would come out, and everyone was excited, and it was exciting. And then the hits started adding up. And the hits started adding up, and the hits started adding up. And now you're starting to see the effect, the cumulative effect of what he did early on in his career. And all that stuff and that tough and that dual threat, um, I think, has impacted and dramatically affected Cam Newton's career. 
Patrick Mahomes is not a dual threat quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is a thrower above anything else. In fact, if anyone talks, it's like this guy can throw it. And he can throw it anywhere and any way, and he does. Patrick Mahomes does not necessarily beat you running the football. He beats the heck out of you throwing it. And he throws it as good as anyone ever has. I mean, it is pretty. And, it's, and, and he even makes throws that people haven't made. The, the deep down the middle throws uh, out of the pocket against the grain, the velocity, the accuracy, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's uncanny. I, I just haven't seen a lot of people do it. And so here's a guy who is not a dual-threat quarterback. He's being coached and tutored by someone who understands, who has grown up. I mean, Andy Reid was a graduate assistant at BYU. He went to the Green Bay Packers. He was with Mike Holmgren, who was a 49er disciple, who understood how to develop a quarterback in the National Football League to be a quarterback in the National Football League. And everyone gets all excited about these, these guys, but I'm telling you, the, the defensive players hit you. Even with the softening of the rules today, those defensive players smack you hard. So here, a few years later, Cam Newton is, is struggling to get a million dollars a year. And why? Because people are nervous about his health. And why is he unhealthy? Because he's taken so many shots. I don't care what Cam Newton dresses like, looks like. I don't care about his, per, per, his um, kind of um, quirky personality. I don't, I, I don't care about any of it. No one does. If you're healthy and you show up on the field and play, you're there. And, and Cam Newton's had some serious health issues. So people go, eh. But on the other hand, uh, you have Patrick Mahomes who's like, you know what? The, the, I mean, this guy, now, the irony of what I'm saying is the play that I think changed the whole cursed history of the Kansas City Chiefs was actually Patrick Mahomes running. In a critical situation, in the closing minutes of the first half, he scrambles, okay? And this is fine. And he scrambles and he's going to get out of bounds. And then all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute, wait just a gosh darn minute as he's going around the corner. He sees that, you know what? I can score right here. And he does. And it changes the momentum. It changed everything in that football game. Everything. And it changed the course of the Kansas City Chiefs and the fact that they can't win a playoff game, they can't win the big one, they can't, they can't, they can't. All of a sudden, the kid said that, he, that we can't. And so, but, but predominantly, he did this throwing the football. And I'm just telling you, folks, Ask a guy like Steve Young. I mean, Steve Young was just, it was like oil and water when he first went to the San Francisco 49ers. And it was like, he was running around. He was just, he was trying to be this athlete. He probably didn't really know what he was doing at the time. And he was just trying to just do something. And when Steve Young stopped running, Steve Young became a Hall of Famer. And I, I am just a firm believer that the running part of it is going to basically you're going to get worn down, you're going to get worn out, and you're going to be out. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes, he gets paid. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he gets paid. 
And here's a guy, it's a, it's a half a billion dollars. And I'll just tell you, he can, he didn't have to do anything with most of that money. And after taxes can turn it into a billion dollars by the time, by the time he retired easily. I mean, he, not even, not even our, cause you got to remember folks, I know we're all caught up in the money, but the money is really half of the money because of taxes and all the other things that come into it. So it's $250 million after tax. Just so you know, not that that's not a small chunk of change. We all like to say the big number, but I mean, he's guaranteed, I think 430 million of it. So you're looking at 215 million after taxes. That's, that's absolutely going to go into his pocket, which is insane. Absolutely. insane. And all I can say is good for him. I mean, really, it's just, it's just remarkable. Uh, and here, here's, here's, here's the sad part, but also the good part about what happened to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is in the perfect position to strike when the iron's hot. So the only time you get paid in the NFL is when you have the leverage. Okay, When the NFL has the leverage, you're not getting paid. Cam Newton, no leverage, not getting paid. He's injured. Some people might say his personality is a little bit moody, whatever. He doesn't have the leverage. And so he's got to take what he can get. And he's got to put himself in a position where he now has the leverage. And the only way you do that is you play and you play well. Uh, Patrick Mahomes came in. They go, yeah, I see Alex Smith. And all of a sudden, his first year, they go, you know, they go deep in the playoffs. Second year wins the Super Bowl. And he was predominantly the reason they won the Super Bowl. I mean, he, he, is, he is the... He is something special in that offense, just plain and simple, something really special. So um, he's, got, he's got a few years left on his deal, but the timing is right, and, he, and so he, he just makes massive bank. And so that's the good part. Like, I, I, I know timing. Believe me, I know timing. I, I experienced it in my own career, and I know – timing well um the uh the problem with his deal now is because it's so long we're talking 12 years like the last two years on his on his existing deal and then 10 more years that's 12 years and that's 12 years plus the three he's already played he's 15 years into the nfl which is which is you know he could play you know longer than that i mean some especially being a quarterback a lot of guys, you know, play a lot longer. So, but still, he's locked into a deal for the next 15 years. Well, go back in the NFL 15 years ago, and where were contracts? I mean, I mean, in a short period of time, Patrick Mahomes has actually established the um, market for quarterbacks, which everyone else is excited about. But now everyone else that moves through the, through the process is going to get a better deal than he has. And, and you're going to go, you know, Patrick Mahomes wins another Super Bowl or two, there's another couple of MVPs, and they go, this is the best player in the NFL, and he's underpaid. And, and that's, that's the sad part of what's actually happening to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you, you, you can't you, – it's just a sick cycle, right? 
you just you just like it's never going to be enough you know the the next guy coming through i mean the first time i was a free agent it was free agency was brand new it was unheard of what i what i had gotten and it's a joke now it's a joke of what i what i what i ended up with compared to what they have today but at the time people were saying the same things this is this is insane this is crazy how can you pay this guy all this money and in a very short period of time it's obsolete i am going to take a, a break <coughs> sorry about that i'm going to take a break and um patrick mahomes signing is actually could be a long-term death nail to Major League Baseball because Major League Baseball is kind of on its last legs as it stands right now. Folks aren't watching, folks aren't playing, and baseball's not doing a whole lot. We'll talk about that okay, folks, this is it. This is the last segment of the show today. And of course, it's about baseball, and it's about the, the death of baseball. And I think baseball's been um, experiencing a long, slow death. And they're just things that come up that continue to just add another nail in the coffin and just kind of, it's like that night in uh, Monty Python in the Holy Grail, where it's a stump lying on the ground after its arms and legs have been severed. And it's sitting there and it's like, uh, you know, it's a mere flesh wound. And yet it, it just hasn't realized that, um, you know, it's got no legs to stand on and no arms to fight with. So that's kind of where baseball is. But so how in the heck does Patrick Mahomes fit into the death of baseball? And I'll tell you how it happens. And it's not something you're going to see today. It's not something you're going to see tomorrow. But you might see it in the next five or ten years. And it has a massive impact. Right now. There are kids all over America, and they go, we love Patrick Mahomes. He's so amazing. And then all of a sudden they go, we really love Patrick Mahomes because he's amazing, and he just got half a billion dollars. And when I grow up, I want to be Patrick Mahomes. And that's what's going to happen. Because, um, and I wonder, I wonder if the NFL realized this. And I wonder if the NFL said, there's, there's our poster child for the NFL. Because the NFL is about uh, marketing and promotion, and they do it through their stars. Okay, so Patrick Mahomes is the star of the NFL. And they say, here's this kid, and we're going to make sure he gets paid. Why are we going to do that? Because we are taking such a hit with all, all of the, the young kids in America. Who have, what have they been hearing? Football's bad. Concussions are bad. It's not safe. You should play soccer. You should do these other sports. You should try anything, but don't go into football. And these kids are like, whoa, you know, maybe I should go try to do these other, these other sports. And, and maybe I should go because football of any sport, basketball, baseball, soccer, any sport in the United States of America is far and above the most popular sport, period. And now, hey, you can get paid serious sums of money. Look, um, it, and, and this is a real thing. It has an impact. Tom Brady, he was in the stands, 1982, Candlestick Park, when Joe Montana threw the catch to Dwight Clark. And in that moment, he's like, that's who I am. That's what I'm going to be. Peyton Manning, there's 
famous um, video footage of him when he's like three. And they go, uh, you know, who's your favorite player? He goes, my dad, you know, who's playing. He goes, are you going to play football when you grow up? And he says, you know I am. I mean, absolutely I'm going to grow up. I mean, I had that. I was fortunate enough to go to a professional football game in 1978 and watch the Houston Oilers play the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I was 10. Same thing. And, and for me growing up, it was like I was going to be Roger Staubach. I mean, I mean, it was, it was either Roger Staubach or Terry Bradshaw, and, and, and that, but that's what you're going to do. And it's because you saw it. You saw the, 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 the mass appeal of it. You, it. There was something in you that stirred in you. And here, all Patrick Mahomes did was get paid. And so these baseball players, because in the past, if, you, if you've studied this at all, like baseball, they're guaranteed contracts. They're still playing Bobby Bonilla who's been retired since like 2006 and they're paying him a million and a half dollars a year on, on a deal that he's long since retired from, but they're still paying him in the NFL. That doesn't happen. If you, they're not guaranteed contracts, but they're the NFL's moving more and more towards this because I think they have to appeal to these young athletes who are going, I want to get paid. I want to be popular. And, and I want to know that I'm going to be safe. And you know what? I can give up a little bit of safety if you're going to pay me a half a billion dollars. I guarantee you, I would say, I would like to see the person who would turn that down to say, well, you know, uh, concussions may have some impact on my life because there's no, there's no definitive uh, medical information that says yes, absolutely. Okay. So, so people are going to do it. So here, Patrick Mahomes is driving another nail in the coffin of major league baseball. And I don't think people are even half or remotely aware that it's going on, but you know, is baseball dead? Yeah, it really is dead. And it just doesn't know it. I'll tell you why it's dead because of this cheating scandal that's happened that quite frankly would be dominating the discussion right now. We'd be in the middle of baseball season and some player from the Houston Astros is just getting beamed in a game because they cheated and it's just going to go on and on and on. And now it's just forgotten because of COVID, but that's a real thing. And, and I think it's not just uh, limited to the Houston Astros. I guarantee you there are other teams that probably have similar types of schemes or finding any way they possibly can scheme to get an advantage over, the, over another team. It's just, it's been the culture of baseball. And then you, and then you go back to, really, you go back to, players like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who were massively iconic, extremely popular, quite frankly, some of my favorite players in baseball. And, and they've had this, you know, this stigma that they cheated. So all of the things that they had done were aided through other, other devices. And, and, and you can say that the cheating thing, yeah, we kind of look the other way. Uh, you don't, they, no one's looked the other way with the, uh, Pete Rose in baseball. No one's looked the other way with Lance Armstrong. They still think, you know what? We just we we can't we can't forgive it. And and then you have this, and this is a real thing. Baseball is a subtle sport. The action of baseball is subtle, and the world that we live in is not subtle. It's not subtle. We live in convenient. What I, I need it now. I need information now. I need it quickly. I want to move on to the next thing. I can't stay focused. I can't stay um, into this very long. 
And baseball is like, look, sit down, get your lunch pail out, roll up your sleeves. We're going to be here for a while. And, and it's going to be this genteel, slow move and very graceful uh, production that just doesn't move fast. And that's hard for people to grasp. And I know every baseball purist in the world, their hair is going to go up on their back right now and say, how dare you defame our sport? And that's the problem is that times move on. There was a time in football when, you know, how dare you throw a football? That's blasphemy. You just don't. And now you do. And now a running back is probably the most obsolete position in football. And if you're not willing to adapt your game to the viewing audience, and it's just like we – you know, we're purists and we stand. And then and really the whole thing about the players going, we're not playing in this whole COVID environment. And we don't want to, we don't want to play. And of all of the sports out there, baseball is probably the one that has the least probability of people getting sick just because of the nature of the game. So yeah, baseball, baseball should be on the forefront of all of this and because people want their sports. So all of those things together, uh, spells you've had all of your limbs hacked off and you're just a stump on the ground that hasn't realized that you know it's kind of over for you uh, sorry to say that it is and then you have Patrick Mahomes on top of it kind of pushing you down every kid growing up in America wants to be Patrick Mahomes and wants to play in the NFL all right well um, that's going to end it for us here on Helmets Off we are powered by kslsports.com find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, Facebook at the Helmets Off uh, podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off show. Until then, peace.